0: a life coach and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Lady Boy Chi Tonight's episode is on. Flying Higher in Subspace, Embracing Erotic Pain, and this is a subject I enjoy a lot. (laughs) And I have Paul with me. Hey guys. (laughs) And to start with, what is pain? Even more important, what is our relationship to pain? Many people don't have a good understanding about pain and how to embrace pain. Usually, we try to avoid pain, and pain often brings a fight-or-flight response. And I know you've been learning a lot about pain lately. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What is pain to you?
1: Well, to me, I have an interesting relationship with pain because I deal with a lot of chronic pain on a daily basis. And... I used to have a very negative relationship with pain because I'm always in pain. And through BDSM, I've learned how to use pain for its positive benefits to teach me and to also send me higher into subspace and to get those yummy, yummy endorphins.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I think to fully understand pain, it's kind of important to learn that there are different kinds of pain. I know when I stub my toe, it hurts, and I don't like it much. But when I play as a submissive and I get into really intense scenes, I can be such a pain slut, and I love it, and I start flying high in subspace. And that type of pain I kind of call erotic pain even though it may not be overtly erotic, there are erotic elements. I mean, when you get spanked, you're sending vibrations deep into the genitals. And you may not recognize it at a conscious level, but oftentimes it will register as a different kind of pain. And I think you're kind of getting more of a sense that there are different types of pain and oftentimes pain acts as a warning system. It says, oh, we need to fix something. Uh, Sometimes the warning can be instinctual, like when we touch a hot stove and we don't even think, we just jerk away from it. (laughs) So there are different kinds of pain. I know that for me, in BDSM, Pain is very different, and there's some interesting dynamics that occur in BDSM that don't occur in other areas of life. I think one of the big things that occurs that really helps transform pain is the concept of people exchanging power. It's the power dynamics. And when one person gives over control and power to another... Something happens, and especially with erotic pain, it does something different. It's hard to put into words, but it just changes the whole dynamic. Any thoughts?
1: (laughs) One of the things that I think is interesting is, as you were talking about, that automatic urge to remove yourself from your source of pain, like when you touch a hot stove I know that in my training I've had to train myself not to do that when it comes to scenes that we do together. When we first started working together I would tense my muscles I would anticipate the next hit and really flex I'd reactively move away from you as you were hitting me. And I had to train myself not to do that so much. And through learning to fight my body's natural urges, I was able to embrace the pain more and let the pain wash over me. And it really completely changed the nature of the pain that you were giving me. Oh,
0: yeah. And I think that touches a little bit on Another element I discovered long ago is that when I was playing as a submissive, I found that the deeper bond I had of trust with my dominant, the more I was able to take in pain and really embrace it fully. And I think breath work also helped, taking deep breaths and circulating the energy the scene throughout my body and really learning to embrace the pain fully.
1: (laughs) Oh, definitely. It does a real world of good to breathe properly. That was one of the things that really helped me learn how to embrace the pain and accept it as it was coming. Because I used to have a bit of a problem. There was... The point in BDSM when you're fully flooded with different brain chemicals like the endorphins and serotonin and dopamine that was really good, but there's the gap between the warm-up and the start of the scene and then getting all the way there, and... It used to be really hard to get through that process, but by learning the techniques like breath work and things like that and also really learning to trust you more and our trust developing to the point where not just in a logical sense but in an intuitive sense, I knew that you weren't going to harm me It completely changed it to where that space between the beginning of the initial impact and the brain chemicals really kicking in was much easier to, you know, I wasn't enduring it anymore. It was just part of the whole experience.
0: And I think that as we have evolved... Part of our response to pain is a built in response from possibly genetic memory and even memories of growing up. And our first initial reaction is to avoid pain any way we can and to fight it. <laughs> and there's some, it was through going through my journey as a submissive that I learned how to really embrace pain. I think some of the things that helped me was that. I realized erotic pain will not cause damage, especially if I'm with a very ethical dom. I learned not to fight the pain, but to really truly embrace it. I relaxed and learned to, and I'd even tell myself, relax and take this pain in. Pain, I discovered, is a cleansing and a purification of my inner being, and that helped me embrace it even deeper. Pain during a scene can move into the background of my conscious mind, and pain can transform into ecstasy. And that's quite an amazing phenomenon, because I'd be getting the shit beat out of me, I mean, to the point where I had welts and bruises and even broken skin from caning or some other really hard impact play. And all of a sudden, that pain just totally went in the background. It was like, all of a sudden, I was just flying and feeling this state of purity and ecstasy. It's hard to say it exactly. I mean, to experience it, it was like amazing. (laughs) And it was through some of these really intense scenes that, I flew so high that I've had out-of-body experiences, and I've had experiences of really touching my inner energy being at some level, really becoming consciously aware of the energy within me and being in touch and in tune with it. And it was through this journey of embracing pain that I was able to, first of all, let the pain go that deep into me, and then transform into ecstasy and then become aware of that kind of ethereal being that I am inside and having that out-of-body experience and then really fully getting in tune with that energy ethereal self. And it was through this that pain brought transcendence and psychosexual healing at a very deep level for me. Do you have any thoughts on
1: this? (laughs) One of the things that you have taught me through our trainings is about the purifying nature of pain and how you can use it to purify things within you and to really cleanse things within you. And I know that I've used the pain that I go through during our scenes to overcome some really extreme traumas that I've gone through in my past to kind of purify my thinking and it has led me to be able to really understand when negative thought patterns come up inside of me And really identify it the second that it starts happening and to be able to rationally go through what is coming up inside of me and what is causing that thing to come up inside of me. And really questioning whether the pain or the hurt that I'm feeling is valid or if it's just some ghost of some old traumas that I'm experiencing. And more and more, I'm realizing that most of the times that this resentment or weird anger that comes out of nowhere, that comes up inside of me, normally it is based on that old trauma. And I really think that I've gotten better at identifying when that happens through the purifying nature of the pain that I go through and the scenes that we go through.
0: And I think one of the phenomenon that happens to us, especially in our culture, we're taught to stuff away the darker emotions, things like anger and lust and hatred and fear and all those really darker emotions. We're taught... You're not supposed to express those. You're supposed to just bottle them up inside and be a real man. <laughs> handle it, you know. Well, bottling up isn't such a good way to handle it. Eventually, the bottle gets fuller and fuller, and if you don't find an appropriate avenue to express and release those emotions, they'll come out in inappropriate ways. And so I think that's part of what BDSM really helped me with, was getting in touch with some of those feelings and being able to express them at some capacity within a role-playing scene. And more than just express them, doing a role-playing scene in a way becomes alive. It becomes real at a certain level. And all of a sudden, I reach this kind of catharsis. And all this stuff just comes out and it's very purifying. (laughs) It really cleanses the system of all this stuff we've been stuffing away from our more mundane day-to-day life where we can't go up to the boss and say, you are such a badass or, you know, (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) You know, you can't do that to your boss, so you stuff that stuff down. You can't just... Go, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> and so we repress and stuff away all that stuff. And it's through BDSM that we can role play and really let all that stuff wash through us and be cleansed out of us. And I think pain is part of the, not just physical pain, but also sometimes the psychological pain can help us really purge that from our system?
1: Oh, definitely. One of the important things in the process that I was talking about where I identify where these angers and hurt feelings come up is that once I do, I always acknowledge it inside of myself. And I always kind of have a dialogue with myself and when I acknowledge those hurt feelings and that anger I always acknowledge it and I also think back on why I react that way why that part of me is hurt and acknowledge that I know that part of me has been hurt and I know that there are very real reasons that I have those hurt feelings and I always let that part of myself know I see you and I understand why you're there. And to me it is really important because like you were talking about earlier when these negative feelings would come up I used to really just try to repress those feelings and try to push through and ignore them and act like they weren't there and then that part of you gets more angry and you know it it may not blow up at that moment you might be able to quell it in that moment but the next time it comes up it comes up even stronger and even louder
0: yeah and i think that's part of some of the sickness of living in a sex-negative culture. It's like when I was a little kid and I was getting beaten, I didn't have safe words. I was purely at the mercy of the person beating me. And sometimes it went too far. And I was powerless. And I think that's the other healing quality of BDSM is that We do have safe words, and we empower that inner child that was so wounded long ago. And we're able to either stop the scene or slow down the scene or ease it up a bit. We have control. We're giving that inner child control. And that is a very healing process. It's realizing, okay, I'm no longer that inner child. I have control now. And that is very powerful, and it's powerfully healing. I know that oftentimes in real life, we are powerless. The example of working in a job where you have a boss that's more like a a dictator. (laughs) It's all powerful, and you're all powerless. You don't have the power. You just have to fall in and do what you have to do to get through the day. But where does all that go? Get gets stuffed in that bottle. And so through BDSM, we can uncork the bottle and let those things out and re-empower ourselves through role play <laughs> and through different types of scenes. And I think pain is at the center of it all because it is very painful to be disempowered and powerless. It's very... Dehumanizing in a way, if you will. It makes us less than human. We become a number in a box or we become part of the machine, not really free will and open and free.
1: I know for me as a sub that knowing that I have safe words and knowing that I can control things is very empowering because. In the beginning, some of the places that you take me to now are places where I would have safe-worded out long before that point when we first began. Oh, yeah. And knowing that I can control what's going on also gives me the power to push myself because I know that If I push myself a little bit hard and it goes too far and I can't handle it, I know that I can stop it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as likely to use my safe words when I used to because this brings up back where trust comes in. Mm -hmm. Like having the trust that I've built up with you and having times in the past when I've had to use safe words before and seeing that you immediately responded to them and that you respected my use of my safe words makes me feel safer in pushing my own limits further because I know that if I push my limits and then it gets too bad that you're going to respond right away.
0: mm mm-hmm. And I think that brings us to the next topic on this subject, and that is the foundation of the dominant-submissive dynamic is building bonding and trust. The bonding and trust between a dominant and their submissive are much more than a stated trust. Oftentimes I can tell a partner or a friend, oh, I trust you. And they can tell me that. And that's very comforting. But in BDSM, it becomes much more than just a statement. It becomes a living trust. As the submissive gives the gift of servitude and the gift of their body to their dominant, it becomes even more alive. It becomes more real at a certain level. All of it sudden it becomes an experience of trust, not just a statement of trust. And the more we play, the living bonds of trust deepen. And I think that's really part of the foundation of the dominant-submissive dynamic is bringing about this deeper level of trust and this deeper level of respect and, and gratitude for each other. Any thoughts? (laughs) You seem deep in thought. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that is one of the most foundational parts of BDSM is the bond between a dom and a sub because I never really knew it before I started training under you that I had trust issues, you know, on the outside. I seemed like a very trusting person. And in certain ways, I was a very trusting person. But I realized that through being that very trusting person in the world, I had built in these safeguards. There was a level of self-reliance and a certain amount that, I didn't really trust anyone so that I could protect myself since in a grander way, I trusted everyone. And I think that was one of the real difficulties that we had early on in my training with you because I was able to trust you pretty strongly, but just to a certain point And then past that point... It was very hard for me to get over my internal mechanisms. And I think
0: part of that came about because we did take time to negotiate and set boundaries. And we did that at first by statements and through evaluations. But then we built it into our scenes and it became once again the difference between a stated trust in a living trust, a stated boundary, and a living boundary. All of a sudden, we met those boundaries and play scenes, and it became much more real, and it came out of the dark and out of the things we don't talk about into the things we do talk about and do perform and experience and set up for our play scenes. And it becomes very real in a living sense.
1: And I know that for me another big thing was throughout my training you have always pushed me to talk about my experience and talk about what I got out of things and also about my past traumas and things like that. And... You started to really delve into my deeper psyche and the deeper things that normally didn't come up and definitely didn't come up in ways that were as visceral as as they were coming up during our scenes. Mm -hmm. And you had patience and understanding with me and... Through talking about those things out loud many many times, and really looking at these things from multiple different angles and different things, and
0: but I also think part of it comes from some of the things I build into each scene, like
1: oh yeah, doing
0: the breathing with you, mm-hmm. making eye contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, After beating you for a while, taking my hand and touching your body, Mm -hmm. giving that nurturing touch, all these things help build up that living trust during a scene.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And that
0: living bonding. And it provides us with a much deeper connection, I think, Mm -hmm. that opens these doors. We can't just open them up arbitrarily. And so it's through the practice of BDSM play on a regular basis that you can really start opening up these deeper channels of the human psyche. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Any thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely the work that is put into each of the scenes in in breathing and like i know one of the things that means a lot to me is that throughout the scenes that we do you talk to me and you kind of guide me through the experience and you verbalize your pleasure at what's happening and if there's a hard spot that we're particularly working on you directly talking about the thing that you know that I'm working through and helping guide me through it. And then especially during aftercare and you telling me how well I did and that I'm a good boy and how well I took everything for you. And then you also redescribing things that had happened in a very... Calm and soothing voice, you're almost whispering in. Well, a lot of times you are actively <laughs> whispering in my ears, yeah. as that's happening. All of that really helps a lot to help build me up and help get me to the point where I can go further and, and experience. I think another more.
0: element to this that's helped us bond deeper is that I learned as a dominant, if you really want to deepen that power exchange and really gain that power dynamic with your submissive, start taking over their basic needs. Make them ask for permission to eat, drink, use the restroom. All the submissive's basic needs... Paul needs to ask permission before he can do them. And the more of the basic needs you can take control of as the dominant, the deeper your bonds will grow. And it's really an amazing phenomenon. And I remember the first time I took control of your breathing. I said, take three deep breaths. On the third one, hold it. And I continued spanking you while you were really struggling. <laughs> and I let you struggle for a while. I could, waited until you were really at that point of feeling like you're going to explode if you don't get air in. And then I said, okay, you can breathe
1: now. Oh and yeah,
0: that is a very amazing power dynamic to occur, because Paul could have taken a breath anytime. But because of the relationship and the dynamics, he had given me control of his breathing. And to watch him struggle for breath and just agonize, wanting just to bring in a lung full of airs, it's very powerful. And all of a sudden, the world shifts and it's due to that power exchange. Do you want to describe what you went through doing it?
1: So, especially that first time, but pretty much every time we do that kind of breath play when we do scenes, I draw in breath, and as he continues to hit me and do whatever form of play that we're doing at the time. A lot of times it's genital torture because that's Gigi's favorite. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But whatever kind of play that we're doing at the time, when you first draw in the air, you still feel pretty good because you haven't been deprived that long. And so you're still kind of in the same headspace of when you were going through the scene in the first place. But as you start to feel the need for oxygen and not being able to breathe, all of a sudden your attention is split between what's going on with your body physically in the scene and then your need for air. And then as that continues, that shift keeps on diverting more and more to where more of your consciousness is aware of your need for air, but you still definitely feel the shock of what's going on with your body, but it's just not as high on your, you know, I kind of think this is the extreme case of, like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, you've got the need for oxygen, like, way high up there, and your body's physical response to pain, which it normally is still pretty high on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but the need for air definitely trumps it. And, and the
0: longer you go, the more the need for air grows yeah. almost exponentially, and the
1: mm-hmm. more
0: the pain diminishes and goes down.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but you're still feeling it the You're whole still feeling time, it, but your it's...
0: need to address it. Mm -hmm. Everything starts shifting to, okay, need air now, need air now, warning. And (laughs) and then by the time
1: that Gigi lets me breathe, one of the hardest things for me, and we're still working on this, normally I have one gasping breath before Gigi is able to tell me to slow down my breathing. Maybe eventually that first breath will be a slow inhale, (laughs) Um, but at first it was several gasping breaths before oh, yeah. Gigi could <laughs> get me to no slow down, just take steady, slow breaths. But once I take that first breath, and then the whole weight of everything that happened during that need for oxygen it's almost like all of those endorphins hit me at once Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just a crazy head rush Mm
0: -hmm. and also you're getting fresh oxygen flowing through and it's like it it surges through your system Mm -hmm. in in ways it's amazing (laughs) Mm -hmm. well we're already to station break time and I would like to remind people to come to our website, ravensleerleather.com, and check out our video training programs, check out our membership site. I still need to work on that. It's, we've still got a glitch where it's not taking members that I approve into the system. So, And I haven't been able to figure out what the bug is yet, but I have been working on it. But as soon as I get it going, I will let you know and we'll get members signed up again. And I may change where we do the membership site, but I can change the links. Membership sites are kind of a tricky thing. And unfortunately, I don't have a lot of expertise in that area, but I'm learning it. But also check out our video training programs and All right, if you're in the Houston, Texas area, sign up for some of our training classes. We're also doing classes twice a month up at Kinky Tuesdays at Numbers. So if you're in Houston, come out on the second or fourth Tuesday and do one of our short mini classes. They're about an hour long. We just did one last night and that's partly why we're doing the show on this, is that this was our training class last night, was uh, embracing erotic pain and learning how to fly higher in subspace. Anything you want to add for the station break?
1: So I'd also like to remind people that Another good way to support us in our efforts is to go to our Patreon page. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. And there you can support us with a dollar a month, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. And anything that you provide us with will help us continue to bring you quality sexual educational materials and continue to do what we do and put on this informative and and fun podcast
0: oh yeah and even if you can't support us monetarily do give us a writing writings do help and put in some comments on the show especially on iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, become a member, sign up and on the iTunes, and that way you'll get an announcement when new podcasts come out, and it helps us when we get more members on iTunes and when we get more comments and ratings. So support us that way if you can't otherwise. Well, we're back from our station break, and we're talking about flying higher in subspace, embracing erotic pain. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about learning how to surrender to erotic pain and embracing it deeper, and also a little bit about how a dominant can help a submissive through this process of embracing erotic pain. Erotic pain can take many forms in BDSM scenes. Impact play, needle play, genital torture, which is one of my favorites, and e play are a few examples of BDSM play activities that bring erotic pain. And it's the power exchange and power dynamics that operate in the background of erotic pain. And I say that so that really get an idea of how pain operates. And when we can kind of get into the power dynamics of pain, it really kind of helps us understand. And through understand, we can embrace erotic pain deeper. For the submissive, learn to embrace erotic pain. When I'm the submissive in a heavy scene, I tell myself things. Things like, this pain will do no harm. In fact, it will cleanse and purify my inner being. I also relax my muscles. If I find I'm still tensing up, I tell my muscles, relax, take it in, enjoy the ride. It will only last so long. Take it and enjoy it while it's happening. It's not going to happen indefinitely. So take a few moments to truly experience this. By telling myself that, I do relax and I take it in and I open myself. I allow the pain to wash through my body. And I've realized as a submissive that I need this pain. It's in my nature as a submissive to receive erotic, pain, and intense erotic sensations. It really helps me to kind of talk myself through these things as I play a scene and really embrace it fully. At some point, it gets so deep and so intense that all of a sudden I lose my ability to even talk to myself. I'm just riding in the pain, and it is an amazing journey. And it's by opening up that you can get yourself there. For the dominance, what I do is I tell my submissive to embrace the pain for me. I make eye contact with them. And I let them know that the more they embrace the pain I'm giving them, it gives me pleasure. It truly is a symbiotic relationship that a dom and a sub has. I'm feeding on... Being sadistic as my submissive is feeding on being a masochist. It's like it's part of our nature as a sadist and a masochist to give or receive pain. And so it truly is symbiotic. I'm giving what my submissive wants when I'm playing dom, when I'm playing the sub. I'm giving my dominant what they need as I get what I need from them. And that's a beautiful type of relationship where we're giving the gift of pain and receiving the gift of pain. And part of being in service, being able to take commands, and that can be such a part of the journey of pain too. There are times as a dominant that I really have this deep need to bring out my sadistic side. Besides that, it gets my dick so fucking hard when I get into the sadism. It's like I feel it's more hard and rigid than just about any other time. It really feeds me at a deep level. (laughs) So anyway, what do you have to say, Paul, about learning to surrender to pain and how can people, both the dom and the sub, learn to work with erotic pain.
1: There have been all sorts of different tools that you have given me through our training to help really embrace the erotic pain of BDSM. For me, a lot of it is stuff that happens between scenes, that happens... In my own time, because after a really intense scene, you and I talk about it and talk about the things that I went through, and then, during my meditations, like I meditate on a lot of the aspects of the work that we do, and
0: in keeping a journal,
1: yeah, and doing daily journal entries definitely helps as well to help me meld my intuitive mind and my logical analytical mind so that between scenes I can use my analytical mind to figure out exactly what aspects were hard for me during a scene so that I can train my intuitive mind when the scene is happening to understand what I'm going through at an intuitive level. And it helps immensely. And again, it goes back to trust. That's one of the real pillars of BDSM is the trust. And once you develop that trust between the DOM and the SUB, it is much easier to embrace the pain that is happening. And I'd like
0: to step in here and ask you, what does the pain do for you at a deep level? How does it help you? What is it a deep need for you? Is it something that you really get something very magical and amazing out of the experience? Why don't you share some of those things?
1: So for me, first and foremost with pain, the first experience I have is the endorphin release, the dopamine release, the serotonin release, the happy brain chemicals that happens during the scene. And it really does put you in this altered state of consciousness that is almost your higher self, and it is so delicious, and it feels so amazing, and it is a chemical high that is completely like anything else that you'll ever experience. But even more than that, earlier we were talking about the cleansing and transformative power of pain, and that is a much longer-term thing. Those happy brain chemicals, they're there for up to a few hours after a scene for a really, really strong scene. Um, And they're amazing, but it doesn't have the lasting effect that the cleansing and purifying nature of pain has on you that has allowed me to make... Really amazing and profound changes in my psyche and in my emotional self that has really helped me become a much stronger, better person for it. For me, that's one of the biggest keys. It also gives me this, this understanding and this respect for myself that I was able to not only endure but overcome this thing that was physically very difficult, it makes me much more confident in myself and in my abilities to endure and overcome hardships. So when external hardships come my way, I know that I am capable of overcoming them because I've overcome these hardships that I go through in BDSM. And it has completely changed my life.
0: I know, for me, when I was going through my hardcore journey as a submissive, it really did raise my self-confidence. I stood taller. I felt more empowered through the process of being a submissive and going on these deep journeys into very intense BDSM play scenes. I was a total pain slut, still am. And part of it was I became more, through the process, I became more mindful. I became more aware of my body. I became more aware of my inner being, And it gave me a lot of confidence and even a sense of strength and power. By giving up my power, I became empowered. It's one of those paradoxes that occurs in BDSM. (laughs) And I think for me, it transformed my life in many ways, helping me to really face some of the complications of life, but with a whole different attitude. And I think it was partly the BDSM and partly my morning affirmations and partly the things I practice all kind of work together to forge me into a stronger, more powerful, and self-confident human being. So we're getting pretty deep into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you have another comment?
1: Another thing that is a powerful component of BDSM for me is going back to to the bonding that we go through in our journey through BDSM together. It's unlike any other relationship I've ever had before. Just because it's different doesn't
0: undermine diminish. the other
1: <laughs> other relationships yeah. I've gone through. It's just completely unique in and of itself. Because the bonding that we go through, I know that one of the things that has helped bond me to you the most is that there are times you have me go through things that are very difficult for me. And it's not just the pain, but it's facing a lot of the trauma that I've been through with men in my life and that have kind of held me back from receiving sexual pleasure from men, even though I am bisexual. Because I've been hurt by so many men in the past. And going through that process with you was a painful process. It was not easy at all.
0: I don't know. And also, I think part of it, what we're touching on is, and it is something that I have worked with you on, is helping you become more open and vulnerable with me. mm -hmm. And that's part of the process of facing these things is really being able to open up and become more vulnerable.
1: While that is 100% true, it's not like i had never become vulnerable in any of my other relationships. Oh, no.
0: I'm not implying that. But, <laughs>
1: but the vulnerability is a different kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I was talking about, because in the other relationships that I had had, I... I had talked about these things that were traumatic for me and hard for me, but it never forced me to really face these issues head-on like the training that I've gone through with you. And that vulnerability was pushed to an extreme that the other kinds of vulnerability that I had had with past partners and very good friends and other people I'd been very close to in my life, it wasn't like that. And going through this process with you of facing really, really difficult things, really hard things, and then coming through the other end and being better for it in the long run, it completely helped me put more trust in the relationship that I had with you because if we could go through a situation that was that painful and you could help me work through it and understand it better then all of a sudden whenever you've had me do things that were uncomfortable or things that weren't immediately pleasurable I have trusted you and then I have found the pleasure in it and I found the good feelings within those things that you were trying to help me get to and it really helped me put so much more trust in you
0: that's an amazing process we go through. I'd like to talk a little bit about utilizing the methods of bonding. And we've mentioned a few, deep breathing, eye contact, touch, nurturing, and aftercare, are but a few examples of creating bonds of trust. There are many ways for dominance and submissives to bond together. Let compassion be your guide as you go on this journey if you decide to go on one, into the BDSM play scene. Some of the things that can help you in this process are identifying BDSM areas of interest, negotiating a scene, setting personal boundaries, and many other activities that will create strong bonds between you. And I wanted to mention these things because as we just kind of shared together, Paul and I have established very deep bonds together, and I do want to just thank you, Paul, for sharing all that with us because I know it is such a deep process, and it is such an amazing journey, and it's available for anybody that wants to explore this. We give complete training in BDSM role play and how to get there. (laughs) And it's not something simple. Both doms and subs need to learn skills in these areas. And so learn how to bond at a deeper level through this process. I'd like to kind of cover some of the things that help set the stage for all this. I think, number one, setting safety is a priority for every scene is very important. And it's not just physical safety, it's psychological safety, too. Be knowledgeable in all activities before engaging in them. That's very important, too. Before I ever did any type of play on another person, I learned all I needed to learn academically. And then I did some hands-on training and even tried some of these things on myself, on my own body, before I do it with the submissive. And I think that's really important. By taking time and adding these elements to your scene, the bond will grow stronger with every scene you play. Bonding and trust are an ongoing process, it's not something you do once and it's over. It's a continuing process. And so is learning new play activities. I'm still learning new things to do in scenes. Anything you want to add to
1: this? So one of the things that you mentioned was that you learn things academically and then you try them on yourself. I also know that for many years that you were a sub before you ever started doming, Mm -hmm. and This isn't true with all Dom's, but I know that it's true with you, that pretty much anything that you put me through, you have gone through some form of it yourself. Yeah. And to me, that helps me trust you a lot, because I know that you understand not only psychologically what you're putting me through but physically what you're putting me through and it makes me feel a lot safer and a lot more confident in your prowess and it doesn't hurt that you've had 35 years of experience
0: (laughs) yeah that helps too (laughs) yeah and it's been an amazing experience (laughs) and once again i want to remind as a submissive, learn and practice the art of embracing erotic pain as your dominant plays your body. Now that you're giving the gift of your body for your dominant to enjoy their sadistic nature as you submit to your need to receive pain. I mean, this is such a powerful, amazing process we go through. Remember, the dominant brings the gift of sadism and power exchange and guides you on your journey into subspace. And I very much see myself as a dominant as a type of shaman. I'm taking another human being on this journey into their headspace, into subspace. It's something that's we don't teach a lot in our culture. How do you take someone on this journey inside their own head? And that's a very powerful and profound gift we can give somebody. And it is getting into the spiritual elements of BDSM. When we take someone on a journey into subspace, we really are taking them into the realm of the spirit. We're taking them on a journey inward. And it's an amazing journey. Any thoughts?
1: (laughs) So one of the things that I think is really important as a sub in learning how to embrace this pain and accept this pain in is it's very important to communicate with your dom both before and after a scene about things one of the things that I really had to learn that I didn't get down immediately because I was afraid to communicate things that I thought that Gigi wouldn't want to hear was things that were negative that came up in me, especially things that kind of involved some older traumas that caused really negative thoughts about Gigi and those things weren't about Gigi but those negative thoughts did come up and I was afraid to express those thoughts and it really held me back from really embracing a lot of the gifts that Gigi had to teach me and when I finally did break down and start telling Gigi some of those things that were really scary for me to communicate not only did he not react badly he reacted with compassion and he understood that I had been wounded by my past and when I did start expressing some of those negative things that came up during scenes to him because the the thing that conflicted me was that it wasn't just these negative thoughts that came up. There was a lot of positive things that came up as well, and I would tell him about the positive things, but I wouldn't tell him about the negative things that came up mm. because I thought that I just needed to handle that stuff on my own because it might offend Gigi. Because I knew that these thoughts that came up where I felt, to be completely honest, there were times I felt kind of disgusted by things that were happening. And I knew inside myself that Gigi wasn't doing anything wrong, so I thought that this was my own personal failing for having these thoughts that came up. But when I finally started Talking to Gigi about these negative things that came up and had him go through with me about my past traumas and discover where some of these negative thoughts were coming from, those negative thoughts came up less and less. And every once in a while, they still come up. But now when they come up, I talk to Gigi immediately about it. Mm -hmm. And we discuss about where those things come from, and now it's much easier for me to work through those negative feelings. And I think that's an important part of being a sub that is very, very hard to do because as a sub, you never want to risk hurting the feelings of your dom. And also, when you do talk about these things with your dom do put them in context do if you know where some of those things come from explain that yeah this came up but i feel like it came up because of this past trauma or that past trauma and if you don't know where it came from do still bring it up but tell them that you don't think that they're doing anything wrong unless you do think that they're doing something wrong And if you do, you definitely need to bring that up.
0: And I'd like to jump in here and talk a little bit about this because there is a name for what you're describing. It's called transference, and then there's countertransference. With transference, you're transferring a negative emotion from a past event to a current situation, and it can be a slippery thing because it seems like, oh, all this is happening now, but no, it's coming from the past. You're just transferring something that happened long ago and it may not even be conscious. It may be from the subconscious. And it can really stir up some very negative and deep emotions. What counter-transference is is if I, as Saddam heard some of that coming up and took offense to it and didn't recognize it for what it was. And all of a sudden, I'm taking it personally. Whereas when I recognize it as transference from something in the past, I'm not taking it personally. If I take it personally, then I'm going to react emotionally. But by recognizing where it comes from and giving it a name, And there is a power in naming things. By giving it the name of transference, I realize, okay, what's going on here? Let's dig a little deeper. Let's check it out and see what's going on. And this can be a very painful process to go through. But it's well worth the effort for both the DOM and the sub. The sub's going to grow and learn and gain new insights And develop into a much cleaner and cleansed person. It's kind of like washing all that negative gunk that's been sticking up the works inside you for maybe years and washing it out. It is a painful process at first, but it is so liberating and freeing. And it opens us up to experiencing life more fully after we wash those things away. But any thoughts on that? We're
1: almost to the end. (laughs) So, I know that transference is what happens when that happened, and that's one of the... Because I knew of that phenomenon, that is what kept me from talking for a long time because I logically knew what was going on, that it was my stuff to deal with. And the important thing to understand about the Dom-Sub relationship is by its nature, you don't have your stuff to deal with and your Dom doesn't have their stuff to deal with both of y'all stuff y'all both have to deal with Mm -hmm. and knowing about your dom stuff knowing about your sub stuff really helps the relationship to really grow and prosper and that is also true of any close relationship that you have with anyone It's, I think, a failing of modern society in a way because so many people feel like the the things that are affecting them they have to deal with internally and they never really allow anyone inside to know what turmoil that they're going through. And I think that it's important for romantic relationships. It's important for dom-sub relationships. It's doubly important if you have both a romantic and a dom-sub relationship to go through these things that are painful in the moment, but in the long run they will enrich your life.
0: And it's also important for friendships. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even platonic friendships. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a part of becoming vulnerable and open and sharing and learning how to live a less codependent life. When we hold on to all this negative stuff and we ride ourselves hard and we're constantly looking for someone else to save us and help us, it becomes very codependent. And by going through this process, we get rid of the codependency. We open up. We don't try to take the burden on our own. And by becoming vulnerable, we enter into a more dynamic relationship, one that's based on trust and love and compassion instead of one that's based on secrets and codependency.
1: I think one of the things that is interesting, I think that a lot of people feel like by trying to take these things on all by themselves, they are trying to prevent codependency because they're like, oh, I don't want to burden my partner with this. But... Or Dom or friend or any... Whatever the relationship is. But... What happens is by not communicating where your problem is coming from, you may not be burdening your partner, friend, or dom or sub with this problem, but they still have to deal with the effects of it.
0: And you're setting the stage for yourself to be the martyr and the victim. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, that, Creates fertile ground for codependency.
1: Yeah. And also, when you don't inform them of what your problem is, they're going into it blind. They don't, they're trying to help you with a problem, but don't know what tool to use for the job. But when you communicate clearly, they understand what's going on. And then sometimes it might be something that you have to work through on your own. And then they have the ability to say, I understand and I feel for you, but Mm -hmm. this is something that you have to work through by yourself. But if they don't know the problem that's happening, they don't know to do that. And
0: not necessarily do you have to, you may have to, we all kind of have to, fix ourselves, we can't fix another person. That's kind of a myth. But we can take good care of each other. And that brings us to our last topic, the benefits of good aftercare. And while aftercare is something that's a big part of BDSM, or should be, if you're not doing aftercare after a scene, then you're really missing out on some of the strongest bonds that can occur between a dominant and a submissive. But I think aftercare needs to be part of any relationship. You need that time after you have deep discussions or have very intense moments in your relationship to take some time and just nurture each other and form those bonds, have some quiet time. Aftercare is a time for quiet time. It's a time to process the scene if you're doing BDSM, or it's a time to process the intensity of the relationship. Determine in advance what activities your submissive needs for good aftercare, and this can be applied to partners too. Some of the aftercare activities can include the following. Wrap up the submissive in a blanket. Hold the submissive in your arms, some like a rocking motion while being held. Give your submissive some water and have them drink it. Provide them with comfort food, food that brings memory from childhood that feels comforting to the submissive. Praising the submissive for their performance and taking in your sadistic administrations of torture and punishment. Sitting together in silence, holding hands, stroking the submissive's shoulders, or other comforting touch gestures. And just explore what would be a good aftercare that you would need as a submissive, and express that to your dom. Let them know. And DOMS sometimes need good aftercare too. So be sure as a dominant to find where you need. I know that I have support people in my life that I wouldn't go to my submissive for aftercare, but I do go to, when I need it, to my mentors for good aftercare. If I've done a scene that's things came up and I needed some good aftercare, that good kind of reassurance and nurturing. And I do get a lot of good nurturing by giving nurturing and aftercare to myself. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but there are times and places and boundaries and good boundaries that we need to set up as a dominant or a submissive to keep and preserve that relationship because it is a very beautiful type of relationship. Any thoughts?
1: <laughs> so aftercare is one of the most important aspects of BDSM as far as I'm concerned. It, it really is the part of a scene that causes the most bonding between a dom and a sub, and it really helps to a lot of times during a BDSM scene you go through real emotional extremes from bad to good a lot of times especially in scenes where the Dom knows that they're pushing boundaries that you have but not too hard just enough to push them You get these negative feelings that come up and then all of a sudden you're wrapped up in these good feelings and without proper aftercare, the negative feelings that come up in the beginning of the scene, like after the good endorphins and dopamine and, and serotonin go away, all of a sudden those feelings will come crashing back. But then when you have good aftercare and your dom lets you know that you did a really good job and lets you know that everything's okay, all of a sudden you are able to put that scene in context and understand why your dom put you through those things. And sometimes afterwards you might need to have a conversation with your dom about why they put you through things that may have been hard for you. But with good aftercare, you're able to do that in a healthy way that really is beneficial to both you and the dom. And it's so comforting, and it means a lot.
0: And I'd like to jump in and say that Oftentimes, we live so much in our rational brains most of the time, and we process rational information very quickly and efficiently. When it comes to the emotions, we don't process emotions as quickly. It takes a lot more time to process and to really kind of sort it all out and really come to terms with the emotions. And that's where aftercare comes in. It gives us a time to process at a deeper level. And sometimes at a very subconscious level, it can be a time to just allow all this energy that you've been going through to have its time to settle and kind of feel your way through it all and really come to a deeper understanding. It's also the time where... The Dom and the Sub will bond so deeply just by holding and feel free to create your own rituals for aftercare. I know that with me and Paul, I have him suck my breast and nurse on me as part of our aftercare. And it's very powerful. And often I'll tell him, drink deep of this energy that we just experience. Drink it from my breast. Suckle it in. Nurture on it. Let this energy fill you and heal you. Drink deep of it. And then we just sit in silence as he suckles. And it's a very beautiful time. There's many different rituals we can do that provide amazing aftercare. Just holding someone and rocking with them in silence. Gazing into each other's eyes while breathing, coordinating your breathing together can be a very powerful form of aftercare. There are so many different things. You can even do a very gentle caressing of their body, not in an erotic way, but in a very nurturing way. And that can be powerful, too. Any last thoughts? I think we're coming to the end of the show.
1: (laughs) So when it comes to aftercare, everyone's unique. Think about the things that really comfort you at a psychological level. A lot of times, you know, Gigi mentioned earlier that aftercare can involve comfort foods? Do you like ice cream? Do you like tea? I had a partner for a while that every time aftercare was a little bit different. Sometimes they would really want space and they would need me to not be around them so that they could really understand what went on and kind of work through it by themselves but then other times they needed me to hold them close and hold them tight I'd always get them a glass of water Uh, water is generally very important after a scene whether you know that you need it or not you probably should drink a glass of water after you do a scene but you've got to think about things that A, like take care of your your physical needs, and then B, things that are very comforting to you. I know that I had one dom that would always turn on cartoons for me because they knew that I really liked cartoons. And for me in that dom, that was a very special time. I would lay my head on their lap and they would put on cartoons and they would slowly stroke my hair and it was very good and the aftercare that you get from different doms might differ like depending on the kinds of activities that they do and your bond with that particular dom but just think about things that really comfort you and during your negotiations, let your Dom know those things that really would mean a lot to you during aftercare.
0: And for dominance, by providing a really good aftercare for your sub, it really does strengthen the bonds between you. They'll come back for more of your treatment and be more dedicated in serving you. I've found this out, not just working with Paul, but many submissives over the years, that when I give them good aftercare, I connect at a very deep level with them, and it's through that connection that the power exchange deepens, and everything in our BDSM relationship goes to a much deeper level and becomes very magical almost. So on that note, it's been an amazing journey. I love BDSM play. I love talking about it, and I love sharing how to have good, safe, fun, and exciting BDSM play. And we'll be covering more topics on BDSM in the future, as well as more topics on sex. But for tonight, have an amazing experience. Treat yourself well. Touch yourself erotically or get with your partner and touch each other erotically. Raise that good sex energy and feel the pleasures of the flesh. We're built to enjoy these pleasures. Our bodies are made to both give and receive these amazing pleasures. And they are so exciting and so vibrant and so oh amazing. So go forth and enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy raising that sex energy. Have a good night.
1: Good night.
0: I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics.